Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast, where we into the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and executives. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Scott. He is the VP of Integrated Marketing over at Zendesk. First of all, Scott, thank you so much for being on here. It's a pleasure having you. And to kick things off, why don't you just tell me a little bit more about, you know, your background and how you've been able to kind of, you know, make your way through these big companies, even though Zendesk doesn't feel that big to you. Hi, Luis. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I've actually been in software pretty much my entire career, at least ever since I moved to the Bay Area quite a few years ago. It's kind of the thing to be in if you're here to be in tech, right? But, uh, but to your point, yeah, I actually used to work, you know, before the world of SaaS, I worked at a at a couple of very traditional sort of shrink wrap software companies that would deliver, you know, annual releases of their product. Very, very different than how we do it today. Right. Um, so I did that at a couple different companies and uh, ended up landing at Adobe a few years ago and was actually there during the period when Adobe actually made that transition from being one of those shrink wrap sort of older school legacy companies, you might call it, to be like super modern SaaS subscription-based company. Around what time did that actually happen? So that happened with Adobe back in 2012, 2013. It was actually the first big traditional software company that went all in with SaaS and subscriptions. Uh, Adobe, I was actually leading product marketing for the Creative Cloud business at the time. Um, which is one of Adobe's, you know, biggest businesses that's like Photoshop and stuff like that, right? And in 2012, we actually launched Creative Cloud. Uh, and in 2013, we announced that we were ending our perpetual business and moving entirely to the cloud and subscription. And so uh, it was very, very fast for a lot of people. It was a crazy ride to be there uh, during that time as well. I can imagine. And it's crazy how it feels, honestly, like it hasn't been that long, right, since... Creative Cloud came out, but I remember, like, I guess I didn't try it off right off the bat when they did it, but even then, it feels like it's been a long time now, and it's really, it really hasn't been a huge period of time, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, um, it hasn't been that long. What are the biggest differences that you've noticed from going into a SaaS type of product from when you were at Adobe? Yeah, sure. So I think um, one of the biggest things was that with that old model of delivering software, um, there's sort of a launch them and leave them mentality, right? Like you would focus so much on product launches and you would get people to buy your product and then you could like not really worry about it until you had another product you had to launch and you had right. to go back and try to get them to like give you money again, basically. And obviously that's totally different with SaaS. I mean, literally every month, people make the decision whether they're going to stay with you or not. And obviously there's different models and you can have multi-year contracts, but a lot of the business today is sort of a month to month thing, right? And they get, whether it's a PO or a credit card bill every month or every quarter, um, they decide whether they're going to continue giving you their money uh, and might decide to go to a competitor and it's super easy sometimes for them to do. So that was one of the biggest things is, Marketing was no longer about just sort of awareness and demand. It also really ends up being about engaging customers, building loyalty, building community, helping customers be as successful as they can be with your product. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like Zendesk, I spend so much time focusing on things like the onboarding experience and how you make people really successful with the product and how you help them, you know, help as their business grows, how can Zendesk help them grow? And then, thinking about that renewal and uh, 
period as well. It's all you know super important to think about. Right. You brought up a good point, which is you know the fact that people can literally decide whether or not they want to use you in a month or two or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think it's important to note that because obviously churn is a big problem, right? But essentially, I was talking actually yesterday on a different podcast episode with his name is Rodion over from po- Poster. Um, and he was, we were talking because he's based in Ukraine where things are very different for a point of sale system, right? And selling into different countries that aren't as developed as far as tech goes, right? So he was talking about Mexico specifically and how selling a software product there that's subscription based is actually a lot more difficult to do so because they're not used to that type of business model. How then, because just remind me again, how many countries is Zendesk currently in? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, we are in probably hundreds of countries. I mean, we're pretty much everywhere. We have significant businesses in all four major regions of the world. We might not be like super penetrated in a lot of African countries, for example, but really all across Europe, all across Asia, Latin America, you know, North America, we are literally everywhere. Right. So, so in that case, how do you deal with that kind of problem, right? Where how does marketing essentially change from country to country where you start to see a little bit more of a pushback when you're dealing with a subscription software? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, if I actually go back to my Adobe experience where I really started doing uh, subscription and SaaS marketing, and that company was trying to really pivot to be a SaaS company, um, there, even with uh, not even some of the more um, some of the countries that you referenced earlier, but even countries like Germany and Japan, which most companies that do international business consider those like tier one countries, right? Those are not developing countries. Those are like very developed countries, very advanced use of technology. Even countries like that were super resistant to the subscription model, which is very, very different. Uh, And so SaaS took longer and still, quite frankly, is taking longer to really take hold there. We saw that Adobe, we even see that at Zendesk to a certain extent where you would maybe expect those countries to contribute more than they're contributing today or that they historically had when you had a more traditional software delivery um, uh, way of delivering your software. And then certainly now as you start going out to the developing countries, as you mentioned, it's sort of like, it's, it's like that all the time. So um, at Zendesk, we don't focus as much on the subscription side of it because we were SaaS from the beginning, right? We never had a perpetual model. We were born in the cloud. And right. so for us, that's just always been the thing. You don't have to worry about convincing customers who are used to buying from you in one way to switch and do it a different way. Um, so I think we're fortunate with that. Um, that being said, um, the nuances between you know all these different countries and what will resonate with the buyers in those countries, it's dramatically different. And it's a really complex thing to manage, especially when you're a company the size of Zendesk. And I did remember, by the way, we have 17 offices globally, so that doesn't tell you how many countries we're in, but it's something like that. (laughs) Okay, that's huge. And again, with with that being said, I guess, do sales, it's kind of a a hard question to kind of worry here, but how how does sales, I guess to start off with, do, do you guys sell anything at the contract level for more enterprise-based businesses, right? Like, do you do like yearly contracts or anything like that? Yeah, we do. So with Zendesk, you can do month to month, you can do annual, or you can do a multi-year contract. And generally, if you're willing to go multi-year, we're going to give you the best deal. And of course, you know, with Zendesk, we would like to have customers commit to us for a longer period of time. So our our sales teams really focus on that. But 
ultimately it's the choice of the customer. They can pretty much go any way they want. Do you notice any sort of uplift in the yearly contracts in developing countries? Um, no, uh, we don't actually have that. I think in fact, I would have to look at the data, but it's probably a little bit more likely that in a developing country, you would go with yeah. versus a, makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Now, when we're talking about marketing and content marketing, and I think this is one of the, the things that I really wanted to dive into and in psychographics and culture and stuff like that. How do you start to like, I guess, what's the process to actually understanding, you know, different cultures, especially if you don't have, say, a regional office in one of the countries that you're targeting with that campaign, how do you get that information? Do you send, you know, do you hire a third party kind of research team to do some some analysis on that? Or how does that look like? Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways that we basically get the insights we need to be able to sort of adapt our marketing and our message based on the country in which we're trying to do business, right? Um, Zendesk is fortunate that we're big enough. I mean, we have 3,000 employees all around the world. So frankly, most of the companies, or sorry, countries, where we're looking to do significant business at least, we have a physical presence in that country at a minimum with employees there, right? Um, because to, to be honest with you, um, there's only so much customization you can do, even right. with a company at Zendesk Zen size. So for us to specifically tailor our message for the uh, Azerbaijani audience, you know, is not really something we're doing. You know, we obviously start with the bigger countries. And for, Zen for Zendesk, the really big countries for us, beyond, of course, the U.S. Um, and Canada are the U.K., Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, um, uh, Brazil, Mexico, uh, Australia, New Zealand, um, Singapore, uh, Japan is really growing for us. And then we start getting into, you know, India and Korea and sort of the other growth markets we have, the Eastern European markets, Russia is sort of an up and comer for us. So for us, um, it's a little easier for those sort of tier one markets because we tend to have offices there, we have big presence there, um, we usually have uh, uh, marketing folks who are there, we have a lot of, we have an established customer base there. And so there, we, it's a little bit easier. We still do um, customization of our, of our message for those, for those audiences. Uh, and we gather that through um, working with our employees to really understand how we should tailor the message. We do work with agencies. We have started doing something called transcreation. Uh, and what that means is you know, a lot of companies will localize or, or translate all of their marketing materials into whatever language they're doing business. Of course, we do that. But increasingly, we're doing what we call transcreation, which is where you actually try to deeply understand how that culture is different. What are the current, um, uh, what are the current topics of conversation that matter to businesses, and how do we weave those in to the story we're trying to tell, which is different in Brazil than it is in Germany, right? Um, and then now we're like taking that and also moving out to those sort of second-tier countries. Um, a little smaller, up and coming, smaller in terms of our business, like Korea and places like that. And then the next step will be to kind of do the same thing. That's super awesome. What's your favorite part of your job? Favorite part of my job? Um, as a marketer, and, and specifically the type of marketing that I've done most of my career is sort of called campaign marketing, and that's integrated marketing, right? It's all about working across a large cross set of the organization 
to deliver a marketing strategy across all of your channels. So I'm really used to, uh, it's like in my DNA to collaborate with my, you know, my PR team and my uh, digital advertising team and all the regional teams. I love doing it. And most people who are good at that kind of marketing, they love doing that as well. So I think the part of my job that I actually like the most is working with all of our regions, right? Because frankly, it's the hardest thing we do to really get the marketing right so that it's successful and can deliver the results it needs to differently in Germany than in Japan. Um, it's fun because there's just a lot of work you have to do. Uh, so I think working with those teams and experimenting and trying to get that right, that's one of the most, uh, that's one of the things I like the best. That's awesome. When it comes down to really, I guess, creating you know every sort of like i don't want to get too granular but I, I feel like i almost have to with a couple of these questions but like when you start thinking about a new campaign is it you that kind of like like how do you how do you get things moving to say okay this is what needs to happen in this region yeah great question so the way we approach building our marketing programs and our campaigns at zendesk is kind of a two-pronged approach right so if you take any one country or region because we treat Europe as a region, but then there are some regions within Europe and the countries within those subregions, mm -hmm. right? So we work with the European marketing and sales team and we figure out what the right mix is of what we would call the global campaigns delivered locally. Those would be the things that my team builds. These would be campaigns that we think are scalable and are highly relevant to the largest number of people. We take those and we work with those regional teams to adapt those to make those right for that individual country. But then also there's the local regional marketing that comes into play, the campaigns that are developed by the team in Germany just for the German customer. And we have to figure out how to integrate these, these things together. So we're telling one cohesive story to prospects and to customers. That's awesome. When it comes down to managing a team, what is the biggest thing that you struggle with? Uh, the biggest thing with the team? Um, <laughs> no, uh, that's a hard question. Um, I've got a great team. I feel really, really fortunate, my team at Zendesk. Actually, one of the struggles here is that we're growing so quickly and we're growing quickly off of a fairly significant base, right? So if you're a small company growing quickly, it might mean that your marketing team is gonna hire 10 people in the next six months. And at Zendesk, I like have to hire 10 people this week, right? So that can really be uh, challenging because especially in tough markets like San Francisco that are very, very competitive, um, finding the right talent at that scale and bringing those people in and then making sure you maintain the culture that we've built at Zendesk because we have a really unique culture internally. And when you're bringing in so many people so quickly, you really have to be careful that yeah, you, the culture is going to evolve. It needs to evolve, but you don't want a bunch of folks coming in that basically don't adopt the culture at all and take it in a different direction and suddenly for some, yeah. you know, ugly enterprise company that we don't want to be. Totally, totally. What is the, like, if you could, if you could hire people only looking at one trait, what would that be? So, you know, I've thought a lot about that actually. And Zendesk is a quirky company and we come up with like funny made up words for things. And one of them is that what we look for in our employees is we look for people who are humbledent and humbledent means they are both humble and confident. 
Meaning they know what they're doing, they're good at what they're doing, they have a command of everything that's happening sort of in their world, but we do it in a very humble way. Uh, we're not sort of braggarts and you know, beating our chests about things. It's a very yeah. best way. And so the number one thing I look for when we're recruiting people is I look for people who are humble and people who are gonna be rock stars, but are gonna be like super cool and sort of humble yeah. and how they go about it and how they work with their colleagues. That's awesome. What's your favorite word that you guys have made up so far? Well, humble did's a really good one. Oh, let me think. God, there's a whole bunch of them. There's actually a whole, like, uh, there's like a wiki with all of them or a Slack channel, and I forget. I'll have to come back to you, and I'll have to remember yeah. some, some other <laughs> No worries at all. Actually, I will, I will do one. Uh, we have this puppet <laughs> that our oh. internal communications person um, uh, basically uses to be a spokesperson and uh, that communications person is Hannah Lawrence and so the puppet's name is Anna Florence which is kind of good uh, so little plays on words like that all the time. <laughs> Very cool that's really cool and the thing is those those things are the like what kind of keeps things going in a fun way like you can like you know like I just lost the audio that's odd. Okay, it's back. There we go. Sorry, yeah, I couldn't hear you for a minute there, but now okay. I can. I was just saying, it's just like, when I thought about it, like enterprise companies that just do everything, you know, like, for example, if, if you're in like in the legal space, like, it just feels like you have to be so like, you know, I don't think uptight is the right word, but just like, you, you know what I mean? Where it's I like, it's not to be there. Well, you know, everyone thinks that enterprise companies have to be a certain way right? That's actually why I love Zendesk. While Zendesk got started in the small business and startup space, that's where our roots are. Zendesk is a significant enterprise player, right? We're going toe-to-toe with Salesforce and with those other companies that are, that have really kind of owned that enterprise space for longer. And, um, but Zendesk does it in a way that's very unique. Like we don't want to be a big typical enterprise company. We want to have a really playful brand. I mean, even just look at our website, you know, it doesn't look like what you would expect from an enterprise company, but that's exactly what we want. And it's good too, because what, like when you think of those big companies, like you, you certainly, like you usually have a, a certain, you know, kind of like feel as to what to expect. And you don't get that when you go into Sendesk um, and that sort of company, the same thing with Slack. Uh, it's, it's very, obviously it's a huge company at this point, but you get that same feeling of like closeness and like friendliness almost, which is awesome. Another question that I had for you regarding bringing on team members is like, you see like companies like Google, I forgot which other ones, but they're not looking anymore at, you know, education as much as they used to before. And like how really, you know, academically fit is this person for the position? Is that something that you guys are still looking at? You're like, you have to have a, a bachelor's of science and stuff like that? Or, or is it more like, what's, what can you actually do? For me and for marketing, it's definitely more, what can you do? And what do I believe your potential to be? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I have to tell you, I could care less if someone has an MBA and they're coming in, even as a senior marketer. Mm-hmm. And frankly, in tech, I mean, when you think about it, a lot of the, um, the companies that are the most famous that started in Silicon Valley, you know, years ago, as Apple, HP, Google, most of those were started by founders who like dropped out of school or never went to school. So it's kind of in the DNA, especially tech culture in the Bay Area, that that's not as important. So I absolutely don't um, 
don't use something like your educational background as a litmus test for who we hire. I right. more look at what you've done, what you, uh, you know, you're, are you humbling it? Are you, you know, those things that I talked about and whether you have high potential. That's awesome. So if anyone's listening and you've got a good background, hit up Scott. He'll get you. He'll get you. <laughs> he'll get you set up over at Sendesk. Uh, and we're getting kind of close here to the end, but I have a couple more questions. Sure. When you look at the big, you know, range of unicorns in the SaaS space, what is one that you typically like to look at and say, like, you know, that's somewhere like, and, and you're already like almost in that space too. So it's a little hard to to look at and like that's the kind of like place where I want to be or like where we want to get but are there any other SaaS companies that you kind of look up to as far as how they're operating and how they're doing things uh, oh I have to, it's like Sophie's choice I have to like pick one well I have to say I know you re- referenced it earlier but I love Slack I mm-hmm. really do there have been quite a few people going back and forth between Zendesk and Slack and we are power users of Slack here. I'm not sure if they're really a unicorn anymore. They're already a public company and all of that. Uh, and another stock isn't doing that well, but they're just a, they're a company you even mentioned before. They've got such a great culture um, yeah. and I just admire them so much. And you know, the fact that they're kind of going up against really big players as well in terms of enterprise collaboration and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I, I do respect them a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have any books that you like really a lot that have helped you as, you know, the position that you're at currently? Yeah. Uh, God, it makes me look stupid to say I'm not a big reader and I'm not saying that I don't read. I'm just like, I'm not a big consumer of, uh, of like business books and stuff okay. like that. Uh, although I, I will admit I did just read Startup Land, which is actually written by Zendesk's founder. I'm not just doing that as a plug, uh, <laughs> but Nicole, our CEO, uh, and one of the three founders wrote that book. It actually was great. I just read it. Cool. I'll have to check it out. If you had any piece of advice that you could give to a marketer in a startup, you know, when they're just getting started or a founder that's just getting started, what would that be? Yeah, I, I think it's probably obvious, but it's focus right? Like we're fortunate enough at Zendesk that we're big enough that sure we have focus, but we also have sort of lots of irons in the fire because we afford that and we're kind of managing a portfolio, if you will. But I would say when you're just getting started, really focus on something. So, uh, you know, I don't have as much of an advice for a founder, but certainly if you're in marketing at a startup or at a smaller company, don't try to do too much, like focus on a couple of channels, really nail them, really get it right. Also like, while we're a big global company, the, the, the best second step is not to go completely global. It's probably to pick a couple of markets and really focus on those and, and get it right and then expand from there. Awesome. Great advice. And last question here. Where can people find you online, Scott? Uh, people can find me online. Uh, so I'm at Twitter, which is at Scott and Morris. Uh, probably a good place to find me. I'm not super active there, uh, but LinkedIn as well, for sure. Oh, awesome. And do you have any questions for me? I don't think so, but I really appreciate uh, you having me on and the ability to chat with you today. Great. Thanks so much, Scott, for being on here today. If anybody's watching and you will like the the content, make sure to subscribe, like, share, whatever you want to do. And thank you again so much, Scott, for sharing so much knowledge with us and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye.